0: The Fitness Reborn podcast is a companion piece to Renaissance Fitness Personal Training. This podcast is to serve as educational and entertainment purposes only. It does not in any way constitute as medical advice. If you have a medical concern, please seek out your provider. Hey, folks, welcome to the latest episode of the Fitness Reborn podcast. My name is Sean from Renaissance Fitness Personal Training and my guest here today is Dr. Annie White. She's the author of The Calm Code. Dr. Annie White, thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Thanks. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you because um, stress, obviously, I think it impacts, I think literally everybody, um, everybody, especially people in who live in, you know, Western uh, Western right. civilization. I think it just by impacts everybody in every single way. So the fact that we're gathered here today to talk about stress and how we can, uh, address it, identify it, and hopefully mitigate it somehow in the most effective way possible, I think is a real premium.
1: Absolutely.
0: Right. Right. So yeah. what I'd like to, Oh, so well, I'd like to go back, um, did I cut you off? I'm sorry. No. Okay. Um, So what I like to do is that I like to kind of start from the very beginning. So people find out how you really, how you got here and what brought us to this discussion here.
1: I love that. And I think it's such an important point because when I was in my office seeing patients, I'm a doctor of Eastern medicine and people would come in Time after time after time, and they would want me to help them fix different health conditions, right? Whether it was pain or allergies or eczema or psoriasis or IBS. And I could go on and on and on. We could even get into heart conditions and obesity and low sex drive and that type of thing. And all of those, I won't say they're caused by stress, but they're made worse by stress. So I thought to myself, okay. Annie, if we don't figure out these high stress levels, these people are never going to be happy or healthy. Because if the the ongoing high stress keeps affecting their lives and their bodies this way, we're never going to gain any ground. So I did a really deep dive into why our brains get so stressed out. And I know there's a lot of popular advice on let's get some more sleep, let's eat healthier. And these are all very important things. But what I wanted to understand is how we got into this mess in the first place. And it brought me to the science of neuroplasticity, which states that our thoughts wire our brains, and I'm going to simplify this a little bit, but our thoughts wire our brains to be either more stressed and negative or calm and positive, right? So research has shown that those are different networks in the brain. And it's sort of like building muscles in that when you do the exercise to build up the muscles, you know, that bicep gets bigger. But if you do exercises to build your common happy neural pathways, those can get bigger. We have defaulted to stress and I'll get into why negativity goes hand in hand with stress in a second, but we have defaulted to stress just because of like you were saying our western culture our western society and you throw a pandemic on top of that i mean Mm -hmm. it's game over forget about it so once i figured that out that stress wires our mind each stressful thought wires our mind to be more and more and more stressed and you've probably seen after a stressful period of time it's like if something even remotely Stressful comes up, you go sailing down those paths, you know, of worst case scenarios before you even know what's happening, you know, and you've built those pathways to be sort of like the Incredible Hulk in your brain. Do you remember when the Incredible Hulk used to get angry? Uh he He couldn't stop it. It was like that would happen and bam, he would be green. He would be ginormous and he would be very angry. Well, the stress networks in your brain sort of work the same way when they dominate over those calm and happy pathways after a period of time. And it's really hard to stay in that positive calm space. Does that make sense?
0: No, it makes perfect sense.
1: So, I mean, this was over a decade of research and I finally figured out how to wire the mind basically by using exercises to make us calmer and happier. And I began giving giving the exercises to my patients, but it wasn't like we sat down and I said, okay, we're gonna work on your neuroplasticity. I would just <laughs> toss them out and say, try this for stress, try this for stress, try this for stress. And they always said, oh my gosh, these are great. They work, re-. I didn't know if they were just being nice to me or what um, until I went through a really, really high stress period myself. And I got to the point where I actually had to admit to myself that I needed the exercises I had designed for my patients. And it wasn't easy for me to do because I was supposed to be, you know, kind of the expert on stress, right? So how could I get to that point? But I did. And I got to a point where I lost my business. High stress caused me to lose my business. It caused me to almost lose my marriage. And I almost, uh, I got to a point where I considered even taking my life. And it was I got to a bad spot and I thought, okay, I'm going to use these exercises. I'm going to try them. It was like my, my Hail Mary pass at the end of the game, you know, and I used them for about two weeks and not much changed, but I kept with it. And about a month later, things actually really started to change. I was calmer. I didn't, I wasn't as reactive. I wasn't as irritable. I wasn't as sad or down which got me really excited and I stuck with them. And at about six weeks, I felt a lot better. And at three months, I was like back to, you know, better than I had actually been before, which is, you know, it was great. So I want to let people know that it is possible to take control of your stress and your mental health by wiring your mind to be calmer, happier, and more in balance. It's absolutely possible.
0: Right. So, and just to clarify here, so when we talk about stress, um, we are talking about inordinate amount of stress, like daily amounts of high stress, right?
1: Well, yes and no. Okay. Because even small amounts of stress, every stressful thought wires your mind, right? So, the more often you're having these thoughts the worse and worse and worse and worse and worse it's going to get. It's like picking out up that three pound weight. Well, if you do that a couple times with your biceps, not much will happen. But if you're doing that every day, and even for 10, 15 minutes every day, changes are going to occur, aren't they?
0: Right. Right. Okay. Right? Yeah. That's a great analogy. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, yes, I, well, I had to get to a point where I was, at a, at a low point. So I, you know, my ego would actually let me admit that I needed the tools that I built for my patients. Right. But not everybody has to get there. People can make themselves happier and their lives better just just by using exercises, just as you would go to a gym. Do you know what I mean? Right, yeah. yeah. So,
0: so what types of exercises, I mean, I know it's maybe hard to kind of,
1: well, I'm happy know, cr- to cr- cr-
0: cram it all into one uh, talk, but what kind of exercises would you go through?
1: <laughs> right. Well, in the book, I take people through a six week process, right? And I tell mm-hmm. them exactly how to do it and exactly how long every day. And the max that we do is eight minutes twice a day, right? We start with three minutes twice a day and we end with eight minutes twice a day. We do such things as, um, One of my favorites, I call it happy sparks, but you sit down and you make an album or you make a group of pictures that make you really happy or excited, right? And you Mm -hmm. set your timer and for three minutes, you look at those pictures and you let yourself really marinate on all of those positive emotions that they evoke, you know? And if you can just make it as strong as possible, because then those neural pathways get ignited. And they start to build and they start to become stronger. So it seems simple, but it works, you know, because Mm -hmm. every time, just like the stressful thoughts build those neural pathways, those neural networks in your brain, the happy ones build the opposite, the calm, you know, and you could do one on peace. You could do, you could just have nature photos, you know, or Mm -hmm. some people like laughing babies. Some people like, I mean, people just have different ideas of what makes them happy or calm, but as long as that is ignited for that specific period of time, and when your brain is wired to be mostly stressed, it's best to be able to put aside specific times of day to do it right? Because Uh then you know those pathways will be ignited for that period of time. If you sit down you're like, okay, I'm just going to think happy thoughts. Well, a stressful thought will take over quicker than you can say Bob's your uncle, won't it? Because those pathways are stronger at that point. Uh But if you have specific things that you want to do when you sit down for that time period, it really helps to focus your attention. And it really helps to stimulate those pathways in a way that they wouldn't otherwise be stimulated does that gotcha. make sense?
0: Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So, here's a kind of a big big picture question for you. Um so we we always seem to need like a lots of coaching and lots of help with trying to mitigate bad amounts of stress, you know, and trying to take away negative thoughts. Um it seems that the human brain is wired kind of almost more naturally we seem to be more predisposed to negative thoughts and negative emotions and just kind of going down roads that are that are kind of in the end detrimental to us. So why why do you think why do you think that is? I mean as a you know as a as a scientist yourself and why do you think that is why we, we kind of our brain goes one direction whereas we never need help with trying to go negative.
1: Exactly. That's a a brilliant question. And I'm glad you asked it because it's really important. Our stress response was built for us to survive. Right. Right. So we are always going to prioritize our survival. But what goes with our survival? Worst case scenarios, because we have to plan for those worst case scenarios in order to avoid a really dicey situation. Exactly. The problem has become the woolly mammoth is now a late car payment. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so like yeah. we are freaking out as if we are going to get stampeded at any second, but uh-huh. it's just a traffic jam. And that is something you can communicate to your mind and to your body. And I'm going to give you another um, exercise that I have in the book that I really, really love for this. And it's a breathing exercise. Okay. okay. So You notice that when you start getting stressed out and you start rolling those worst case scenarios and what are worst case scenarios, they're always negative, aren't they? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's why stress and negativity are just hand in hand. You can't really split them up because the worst case scenario is always triggered. So in those moments, you'll probably notice your breathing becoming more shallow and your Mm -hmm. breasts becoming closer together. Why? Because this response is also designed for us to run or fight things, right? Run from or fight things, excuse me. So if you can breathe in a way that tells your body there isn't a woolly mammoth, no tribe, other tribe is attacking right now, you can circumvent that pathway. You communicate with your body through your body. And do you want to learn a a really quick breathing exercise to do that?
0: Yeah, let's do it. All right.
1: I call it five breathing. And I call it five breathing because everything relates to five. Okay? Okay. So the first step is you think about something you're grateful for, if you can. Okay? Okay. And Mm -hmm. when your mind starts to wander, just keep picking different things to feel grateful for. You breathe in, starting with your lower belly for a count of five. You pause for a count of five exhale for a count of five and you pause for a count of five look how good you are at this you're amazing it's not the first time you've done this.
0: No, it's not. It's not the first time. I've, I've dipped my toes in this kind of thing before. So yeah, yeah. So I, I've done breathing practices before. And um, yeah, they, they can be helpful if you are continuous with it.
1: Well, I do. What you what you need to do, what's really important to do is when you start feeling that stress response, come on, mm-hmm. do this breathing. Because what you're doing is you're telling your body there's nothing dangerous you need to survive right now, right? Because right. if there were you're if you're fighting or you're running, you're going to breathe in a way that is short and shallow and close together. But this is longer. And you can't pause when you're running, can you? And you really mm-hmm. can't breathe de- deep down into your lower belly, right? when you need to run right. or fight. And mm-hmm. I want to add another um layer to this, which can really help activate that parasympathetic nervous system, your calm nervous system, okay? And it might seem kind of funky at first, but it works. So I want you to cover your right nostril with just one of your fingers. And do that same breathing exercise when you're just using that left nostril. So breathing in and out. Only through your left nostril activates your calm nervous system and it further helps you calm down in those situations.
0: There is a, there is, there is truth to that because there is a kind of a, a serene feeling that overcomes you when you do stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I- Absolutely. And it, studies have shown the activation of that parasympathetic mm-hmm. nervous system just with the left nostril breathing. So that's why I like to add it in because it's just an, I mean, you might not want to do it in the grocery store, but it's an <laughs> extra added layer that you can put, put on that breathing exercise. And another reason we call it high five breathing is because you get a high five for remembering to breathe that way when you're stressed <laughs> out. So everything is on five. It's five steps. You do your gratitude,
0: you mm-hmm.
1: breathe in for the count of five, you pause for a count of five, you breathe out for a count of five, pause for a count of five, right? Mm-hmm. And then for the extra added bonus, you can add in blocking that right nostril with a finger.
0: That's great. So yeah, I think it's it's important that people, when they learn about this stuff and they talk about, we think uh, stress management and why their brains operate the way they do. And when you touched upon the evolutionary significance of why your, your thoughts tend to go in that direction here, it's important, I think, people know that that it is part of the survival mechanism that is built into your body. It's an alarm system that's supposed to keep you alive. Um, and your response to it is very... Actually, your brain has not evolved a whole lot since the days, since the days you were running from the saber-toothed tiger. Um, And I think the more people come to understand that, I think the better they will be able to understand why what's happening to them is happening to them.
1: Exactly. And when, when you keep having these stressful thoughts, right? Mm -hmm. you unwittingly wire your brain to be more stressed and negative, Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I want people to know that they have control over this transaction, because when you wire your mind to be more calm and happy, it's more balanced. You don't sail down those paths to stress bill like before you even know what's happening. You have a say in the matter, right you know, It's like, oh, wait. This is just a, a late car payment. This is gonna be okay. Or this is just a traffic jam. And I can tell them I'm going to be late, you know, instead of going straight to stressing and then more stressing. Does that exactly. make sense?
0: Yes, exactly. I think uh, knowledge is power and I think that's, that's a that's an extreme form of knowledge. So going into now your background is in uh, Eastern medicine or Eastern philosophy or eastern medicine, I have that right? Eastern medicine, yeah. Eastern I- medicine. Okay. So your your background is in Eastern medicine. So what in particular about Eastern medicine drew you towards it?
1: I love mind, body, spirit, just like okay. you're, just like you're um, advocating as well, because mm-hmm. we are one being and you can't separate it. It's not like, oh, well, this is just mental or this is just physical or this is just, and I even go to the spiritual. We don't have to go there at all, but um, it's all intertwined mm-hmm. because- we're one being, and that's one thing that drew me to um, traditional Chinese medicine because they believe that. And another thing that drew me is they're not interested in symptoms; they're interested in the why. And I think that's that's the um, really unique perspective that I bring to this whole neuroplasticity conversation because I was more interested in why our brains get you know so stressed and why that happens and then work backwards to solve it do you know what i mean right. so that's right. how it's so ingrained in me to look for answers physically and mentally that way so that's gotcha. what i love about chinese medicine i think that's such a good question and it's a differentiating point between chinese medicine and the western side and i'm not saying one is better than the other at all we need both of them you know mm-hmm. if if you're having a heart attack don't call me but <laughs> um, I can also help people be healthier just because that's what we, we concentrate more on that side of things than on the life-saving side of things, which is why they work great together.
0: Right. Right. And actually I've heard that, uh, quite a few times from people who work with, uh, like, uh, integrative medicine and functional medicine and, um, mind, body, and spirit. They say that Western medicine just kind of falls short of really being able to properly, um, provide that sort of thing to people. Um, Western medicine, I mean for for all it's great, I'm not knocking Western medicine. like you said, it, it Western meds can and medicine can really save your life lit, in a literal way if you needed to. Um, but the the day-to- day stuff, and especially focusing not on the symptoms, but focusing on the root cause. That's something exactly. I've really I've I've heard. Something I've heard a lot from people I've spoken to is the, the emphasis on the root cause, because if you just focus on the symptoms, you're just masking the masking the problem.
1: And that's what most pharmaceuticals do, don't they? Mm-hmm.
0: They just right. mask
1: the problems. So it's like, oh, you're having this symptom. Let's just make that go away. But then you see that cascade of side effects because the body doesn't like that. You know, Mm -hmm. the body doesn't like it when we do things for it and we mask things, because like you said, we're not solving anything. We're not, we're not really helping the situation. We're actually making it worse. And I'm just talking about pharmaceutical meds. You know, if somebody says, take this for the rest of your life, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Right. That's not ever going to solve the problem.
0: Right. You know, know, pharmaceuticals, I think, again, they have their place and, you know, if you can take them for only a short period of time to maybe kind of help deal with the problem that you have rather than be dependent on them from life, you know, of course, this always depends on what sort of problem you're dealing with. Um, but I think that kind of a, a full picture of wellness that combines Western with Eastern is probably a, uh, a, good, a good place to kind of ultimately be.
1: Absolutely. I mean, that's exactly right. It's that w- Chinese medicine, or um, fun- and I call um, functional medicine. I call Chinese medicine the original functional medicine because functional medicine, like you were saying, is focused on the root cause as well. Mm-hmm. It's just a different way of getting to the same idea. But I, I'm trained in functional medicine too because I think that's um, just a mirror of the the Eastern medicine training that I have. But you're right. You we have to have both because one is about life preservation like saving lives and one is about true health. And we want both. You know, mm-hmm. if we're in a car accident, we need western medicine. If we break our arm, we need a surgery. You know, it's irreplaceable and it's helped right. extend our lives and like you were saying pharmaceuticals for for a temporary time fabulous, you know? It's great. Right. It's just, if it's for the entire life, then, you know, you're just going to get more and more and more complications from that.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: dealing with that root cause, like you were talking about.
0: So what was the process actually that led to your, your, your eventual discovery of your method here, which kind of culminated in your book? Um, I think you, you touched on it a little bit earlier when we spoke, um, but kind of want to get a better, better feel and having everyone listening here get a better idea about what was actually the origin por- the origin part that led to your book and your new method
1: well like we were saying with the root cause and the wiring mm-hmm. of the mind once i figured that out i worked backward to help fix it so then mm-hmm. i had to uncover well how actually can we wire our mind to be calmer happier and balanced so i dove back into research and research shows so many different ways so what i did was i built tools incorporating at least three or more of each rewiring tool that i found in the research so that's what the book has is a bunch of different ways for you to be able to wire your mind for instance gratitude has been proven to wire the mind to be calmer and happier in fact they say grateful people are 25 percent happier why is that because mm-hmm. their mind is wired to be happier right and right. gratitude is wonderful <laughs> but trying to think a grateful thought when you're stressed out mm It can work and people can try it. And if that works for them, that's fabulous. But if it doesn't, having specific exercises can also help because it really focuses your attention, right? Right. So the first, um, I have a bunch of gratitude um, mixed in with different like um, future self and love and different exercises for people. Or, you know, you could just sit and try to be grateful for things around you for a few minutes and see if that works. You know, that's a technique that can work as well. Right. So I took all of those sort of positive wiring techniques and I combined them and I made the tools. I made them into tools that people can use every day. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Have you found that this method has had a, a very very high rate of positive uh, outcomes on the people that you've worked with?
1: Yes. Yes. Because it's impossible not to. So it's kind of like saying, okay, if you want to build your biceps, right. Mm -hmm. And you do these certain exercises for specific times a day and you adhere to them, you will get Mm -hmm. bigger biceps. You just will, because it's nature. It's how it works. Right. Right. And it's the same idea here. Except we're not building muscles, we're building neural networks and neural pathways. You've probably heard the phrase, um, neurons that fire together wire together, right?
0: Mm -hmm, Right. So
1: it's like those patterns create stronger and stronger and stronger connections over time.
0: Right. So we're,
1: we're creating stronger and stronger and stronger connections between the calm and happy networks in the brain.
0: Gotcha. So go ahead.
1: Well, and I was going to say, once you do that, your stress goes down because things don't affect you the same way anymore. They don't hit you the same way anymore because you have a more balanced response.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. So yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um, so where does traditional stress management go wrong? You know, as opposed when they try to teach us how to deal with stress, I mean, (laughs) I mean, this, this is a dangerous
1: our... ground for me because I, I, I do. I mean, I think some of the stress tips are ridiculous when you're really stressed out because they're impossible to do. It's like, Oh, well just go get better sleep. I'm sorry. High stress causes insomnia. It mm-hmm. causes people not to sleep well. It causes you not to be able to get to sleep. It causes you to wake up during the night because of cortisol spikes. Right. Um, Same with like, just eat healthier. Oh, okay. So I'll just go eat a bunch of broccoli and kale and everything's going to be okay. And that's not true because stress causes you to want those carbohydrates, those comfort foods for a reason. right? Mm -hmm. And so it's almost impossible to follow the suggestions, which just makes people more bummed out and stressed out. And it just adds to that quagmire. Right. Right. So so that's why I wanted to get to the bottom of, okay, but how can we actually really solve this? Right. Right. Where are we, where is it going wrong? And we're unwittingly wiring our minds to be more stressed and negative. Listen, I did it too. I'm not saying it's anyone's fault and I'm not saying we would ever do that on purpose, but our Mm -hmm. society and situations and things that come at you, you know, wire our mind to be that way. So once we know that we can be empowered to not only fix it, but to have a calmer and happier existence because we choose to, Mm -hmm. you know, because we consciously do what it takes every day with some exercises, just like you would at the gym to help your life be more relaxed, joyful, peaceful, that sort of thing.
0: Do you think like, Things like uh, happiness and peace, do you think they're really just more chemical than anything else?
1: Well, of course there's a chemical component.
0: Right. You know,
1: Because the brain is very complicated. So chemical goes into every transaction in the brain, right? Mm-hmm. So when we're talking about these pathways, the chemicals are part of that transaction. And yes, I do think chemicals play a role but I think that people can also do what it takes in order to make their brains the healthiest that they can be. And I think a lot of people don't know this. I we're not taught this in school. You know, I wish mm-hmm. I would have known this when I was twenty years old. You know, I I discovered it a lot later and I wouldn't have gotten into the situation that I got. Well, I mean, I knew about it, but I was just whatever, too proud to say that I needed the exercises I designed for my patients, but (laughs) (laughs) whoops, Uh, but I think it's great for people to know about, you know, it's kind of like before there were gyms and before there were weights and before there were exercise machines to make our bodies better, better and healthier, you know, and when you take those steps, your body gets better. And you can take steps to make your brain better as well.
0: Right, right. Do you think the, um now we hear a lot in the fitness space about mindset and, men- and mentality and things like that. Um, I think to some degree, the idea of mindset has been kind of corrupted in a way because the mindset is, has kind of like this aggressive kind of overtone to it. Like if you, you know, when you're in the gym, you have the mindset, you have your mindset, right. Which means that you are going to plow through it all, you know, just grind yourself to the ground and, you know, just pump out that workout really hard and really fast and just, you know, be done with it and stuff like that. And, um, I think maybe the term mindset needs a bit of a, kind of a, a, a reformulating. Yeah. Be- it
1: might need a little bit of kindness added in there, mm-hmm. right? Because right. as you're saying, it's also important to listen to yourself
0: and to right. listen
1: to your body. And some days your body doesn't want to do that. And if you power through, you can hurt yourself.
0: Right, right? exactly. Mm-hmm.
1: So, yeah.
0: So I, I think, yeah, so I think... Uh, the idea of mindset and having the right mentality and inclusive of that of stress, stress management and stress relief, not just managing it, but actually just trying to actually get rid of it. Now you don't want to get rid of it entirely stress, certain levels of stress. Yeah. Yeah. You can't, and you don't want to, because they have a certain place. They have a certain place in your life. I mean, like we said earlier, it's an evolutionary mechanism that is meant to, um, alarm you to a possible danger, and if you don't have that, then you're kind of at a, a survival disadvantage, even in this modern world. That we no,
1: hundred percent. If a bear's chasing you, you're screwed. You know, if you don't have right.
0: that.
1: <laughs> I mean, just for, right. If you, you don't know, have a dramatic example, but yeah,
0: right, exactly. Well, that's what typically what we think because stress and cortisol have a very bad reputation. You know, cortisol is being seen in fitness spaces as this bad hormone, and it's not bad; it's there for a reason. So, it's not the hormone itself that's the problem; it's what is triggering it, and the amounts in which it triggers it, and the cumulative effect that it has on your life.
1: Well, you know? you, you have just hit on right there the problem with chronic stress. Well, the biggest mm-hmm. one, okay? And you're you you are exactly right nothing could be bad for the body that the body manufactures itself. Right. Right. Like, um, but if that cortisol stays high, that is where we get into trouble with health. Mm -hmm. One of the, one of the ways, but probably the most major at this point, you know, and I think you brought up a really great point. Some stress is good for us. Some stress is needed. Stress Mm -hmm. is protective. Like you were saying, it's not bad. And we're never going to erase it, like you said, because A, we can't, and B, we don't want to. C, we need it, right? Right. But when it's, it's just the chronic stress that's bad for people. When people get into those loops where they're stressed out for, I, I mean, honestly, I would say more than 20 minutes a day. Mm-hmm. That's detrimental to your brain, and it can be detrimental in your, to your body over the long run. If you have one day of that, not a big deal if you have consecutive days in a row, that's where we run into problems.
0: Right. Exactly. Um, the, what I like to, when I talk about stress to people and especially the clients I work with, because how it impacts everything, I like to kind of, uh, liken it to, you know, you, you think of like a, a gazelle on the, uh, the African safari, right. And it's eating, it's, it's got its head down eating grass. And then suddenly a lion pops out of it and then chases it. And it, bolts, like however fast I can run 60 miles an hour. It does this for, you know, a few seconds at a time until it outruns that line. And then, you know, okay, that was stressful. But then it goes back to eating grass again. You're like, okay, the, exactly. your body, your your body is designed to be able to handle that. Yes. You know, it, it can handle that surge where, you know, it floods your limbs with all this blood, decreases yes. the blood that goes to your abdomen, floods your limbs all this blood so you can run or fight, whatever it is that's um, terrorizing you. It's threatening you. But then once the threat is gone, your body is supposed to reset and go back to homeostasis. And if you, chronic stress is completely the opposite of that.
1: <laughs> that's exactly right. I mean, and I love your analogy. That is such a great analogy and such a great picture for people because it's so true. You know mm-hmm. it's it, it's supposed to spike it's okay if it spikes and a lot mm-hmm. of research says it's even good for you if it spikes for so, at sometimes right because mm-hmm. we're designed for that right the body just gets a bit confused when it thinks you're you know choosing to live in a neighborhood filled with saber-toothed tigers who want to attack <laughs> you every day like the body's <laughs> like what and why would they live in this neighborhood what are they <laughs> thinking
0: that's great. That's great. Yeah, yeah. That is that is a perfect. That's a perfect way to describe living in a constant state of stress. It's like living in a neighborhood where you are constantly a meal for everyone yes. around you. One
1: hundred percent. Your body's like, God. This girl's weird. You know, I I don't know what she's uh, she's into, but yeah.
0: Um. So. All right. We touched on it earlier, what stress does. You know, it deprives you of sleep, deprives you of a healthy, meat, a healthy uh, nutritional um, mindset because uh, you all you want is sugar and stuff like that. So, can you go into more of what are the actual, like, physiological deleterious effects that stress has on you, like how it just ravines, ravages your entire body once yeah, well, you have it too much?
1: Cortisol is a really big issue right? Because Mm -hmm. when cortisol, okay, we, I'm just going to go a little bit step by step. Okay. Because it's sure. Yeah. So one of the things that cortisol does is it's an anti-inflammatory, right? Mm -hmm. So it's wonderful because it can go in and put out inflammation different places, but when it's high all the time, right. With stress, because it spikes with stress. And if it's chronically high, those cells become desensitized to the cortisol, so your inflammation goes way up. That's why we have so mm-hmm. many inflammatory disorders these days. And if you think about any autoimmune, a lot of heart issues, um, any sort of skin condition, right? Um, mm-hmm. Even allergies, asthma. I mean, in my book, I, I go through all of the different um, symptoms that can happen from high stress. You know, you've got your diabetes and that's also, you know, your blood sugar stays high because when you want to run from things, you have to have more sugar influx into the body in order to fuel that escape or that fight. Right. Hmm. But again, when that stays high, those insulin cells become desensitized. So you need more and more and more. Right. And it's this, it's this negative feedback loop that's protective for us But when it becomes chronic, again, the body doesn't understand that because we weren't made for any of this. We were made for those spurts that you were talking about, right? Right, right. So the body does its best and it's not trying to hurt us in any way. It's just responding to the situation internally. Does that make sense?
0: That makes, yeah, it does. Um, Do you think that chronic stress... Is uniquely a problem that is part of what we're like we talked about earlier. Part of the Western modernized world. I mean, when you've you've gone to places that are, you know, different economically and and in terms of modernity than the United States, and I've heard this from from other people saying like they don't really have a lot of stress. You would think they would, because their circumstances are so much different, but they don't seem to feel like they have a lot of Chronic levels of stress. You think it's uniquely something that is a, a plague of the of the modern Western world?
1: I think I think that's um, a very situational question to answer based on country. For instance, when I'm thinking about that question, I'm thinking. I agree with you when I've been to Vietnam, when I've been to Cambodia, when I've been to Thailand, even though what they, you know, the traffic in those places is sometimes crazy, but it's, Mm -hmm. it's, they're not stressed. They're just flowing. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And they, but yet when I've been to China, they're extremely stressed. Really? So yeah, they are. I mean, I was in Shanghai, you know, and I can't make a blanket China statement. Um, and I was in some areas around there. They, they're they pretty stressed. Uh, so maybe it's a modern world mm-hmm. issue. You know, the more modern that, um, the more modern lives that people are living, perhaps that adds to it. Because, you know, in, in a Cambodia or in a Vietnam, they're very rural, aren't they? Yeah. So perhaps that plays a big role. And I think also the pressure that, people put themselves under in the more modernized societies as well. You know, we put so much pressure on ourselves to do be and have all these different things and those things aren't important or aren't as important in different cultures. Does right. that make sense?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So there's a, maybe it's more of just a, well, like you said, it's a, a rural versus urban
1: yeah.
0: sort of, sort of uh, life and a, a cultural a cultural distinction as well too, because I think, you know, you mentioned Shanghai, China, and uh, it's an, you know, it's China. So it's not a technically a Western country, but it's very Westernized. Totally. Right? Totally. Mm-hmm.
1: Totally. Westernized countries, I agree are far more stressed out, you know, because it's all about the having, it's all about the doing, right. Right. And in the other places, it's all about the being, mm-hmm. you know, it's the existing, and the yeah. other things aren't as important they don't take on that role that we let those other things take on in these sort of like you're saying westernized mm-hmm. societies
0: right yeah i'd be interested to see what the what the differences in stress levels and going back to china what the differences in stress levels would be in china cuz you know the the western side of china is very highly developed and i think that's where most of the population also is is, is at, but the other, most of China is very underdeveloped. And so I wonder what the stress levels would be comparable between the people who live in the under de- underdeveloped part of China versus the more developed part of China. I yeah, think that would be, I think that question. would be, that would be very insightful.
1: It's a great question. Um, and I don't know that answer just because I haven't been to those those right but it it would be an interesting study to do too and also about like you were saying before a mindset you know and i think the stories that we tell ourselves play such a role in how we perceive our life and our stress levels Mm -hmm. and so i think their internal stories are a bit different than people who are in a westernized culture does that make sense
0: yeah it certainly does so I want to talk more about neuroplasticity. I think that's become kind of a, a very popular term um, in neuroscience, obviously. And because of that, because it's relation to um, fitness and wellness, uh, because people who are in the neuroscience field are gaining more and more um, influence in uh, how we how we see fitness and how we see how the human brain actually operates in terms of especially how people get older, because I think we used to think that, you know, once your brain is fully developed, it pretty much just kind of hangs out there, you know, so after, after everything is come to, comes together, I think they predicted about like the age of 25 or something like that, you're fully developed, and that's your brain for life. And so I think now we're starting to figure out, we're starting to learn that that not is that is not necessarily the case and there's actually a lot of room for development and change. Would you would you agree?
1: Absolutely. And I think the reason they thought that previously was because they didn't have that high-tech technology to look inside the brain. You right. know, they were saying, "Oh, well, this is the way it has to be because that the formative years are finished and the mm-hmm. brain is part of the formative years and so of course it would be finished developing and that's that." But that is not the case. And it's great with all of this um, technology that has come. And I think that's why neuroscience and neuroplasticity has gotten more of a stage and more of a center stage in the past, let's say 20 to 30 years, because they can actually prove this now, mm-hmm. right? They can, they can do the pet imaging. They can do the, all of the different sort of testing and look inside the brain and see actually what's happening in there. Right, it's exciting.
0: It is very exciting too, because I think I'm very excited about it. Because, um, as I try to talk and I deal a lot with people who are on the older end of the spectrum here, so older I mean like 40 and up, you know, um, it's exciting news because it means that they're not stuck where they are, and that you know things things that that come with that we typically associate with age, like neurodegenerative diseases like Parkinson's and Alzheimer's and things like that. Um, you can't really, if you're genetically predisposed to it, you can't really fight it off completely, but you can, you can mitigate it and you can decrease the chances that, um, it will happen, um, over, over time.
1: Absolutely. And those are neuroplastic changes too. Right. Mm -hmm. And there, there is a lot of therapy, especially for Alzheimer's for, brain exercises, you know, and building the neuroplastic aspects of the brain having to do with memory. Right. Right. And another thing you said that's really important is that it's so wonderful that people are empowered. They have a choice. They, they are able to change things. They're not stuck where they are ever. I mean, You know, in Parkinson's and Alzheimer's, if things get to a certain point, that's irreversible, and that's not what I'm talking about here. What I'm talking about is what you were saying is that if you have that APO4 gene, right, for the Alzheimer's, Mm -hmm. you know that ahead of time, and you, like you were saying, can do exercises, neuroplastic exercises to mitigate those effects. Mm -hmm. And you can also eat certain foods and, you know, do more exercise and more fitness because that also... Has neuroplastic effects, right? Right, exactly. Uh huh. And it all is intertwined.
0: Which- yeah, com- completely. It's, it's it's a totally exciting. This is why I like talking to people like uh, like yourself because because of the the. Inc- in, in, Inclusion of neuroscience in the more recent developments that have happened over the last, like you said, 20, 30 years have really opened up a whole new Pandora's box here and then kind of redefining what people think um, comes with aging here.
1: Well, and and another important point about stress that I was going to bring up earlier that you're touching on a little bit here is that people think that stress is done to them or because of situations, but it's not. It's their reaction,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? What controls right, their reaction? Right. Their brain. So if your mm-hmm. brain is more balanced, your reaction is going to be more balanced, right? You're not going to spin out. Right. You're not going to lose it on a customer service rep over a $20 late fee, that kind of thing, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But it's it's the same with building your memory, you know? And mm-hmm. any sort of exercise or I'm not even gonna say food but exercise also can build neuroplastic changes in the brain too they've shown that which is fabulous. Oh
0: yeah yeah I think it's cool and um, it's kind of you know just sitting here thinking about it because I know that on Alzheimer's patients they are they've started using um, boxing exercises to help with their um, with their Alzheimer's. And not competitive boxing, obviously, right, right. but you know, just going through the motions and like hitting a certain part on a bag like repeatedly, and then hitting all these markers and trying to coordinate, you know, the movement of your eyes with the movement of your hands and things like that. And um,
1: because it's building different parts of your brain, right? Too, isn't right. It? It's it, it really it really okay. is too.
0: And I, I'm kind of thinking too. Also, it's like it's kind of tragic because Muhammad Ali had Parkinson's disease. Um, and the ironic thing is, is that, you know, he stopped doing everything eventually over time because of his Parkinson's. But if he had just kept up a lot of his workouts, his Parkinson's maybe would have, um, been reduced.
1: It could have. Yeah, maybe. But he also had so many brain injuries too. So, but you're right. I mean, it couldn't have hurt.
0: It would only
1: have helped. And you're, I mean, you're making a very good point in that. The power is more in people's hands than they realize. And even right. Muhammad Ali, who was the boxer, didn't realize how much power he actually had in that conversation.
0: Right. Exactly. Yep. And exactly with this right.
1: new technology and new research and everything that's now coming to light, like you're saying, we're learning more and more and more about it, which is fabulous.
0: Right. And I think... I, le- I really like to what you said earlier just a minute ago is that your response to it is what dictates everything um I'm just, again I'm sitting here thinking about it like this is being treated by a lot of people as new information but it's not really new information because it is part of stoic philosophy that comes yes. back from thousands of years ago and you know again you know. This guy Marcus Aurelius has become a very popular person in certain <laughs> circles. In here,
1: yeah,
0: right, yeah, yeah. He's he's very popular with a lot of people, mainly because of his Stoic writings. And he, if you will find, you read, it, you will find, he says exactly that. He's like, your response dictates everything here. You don't have to, you can't control nothing, but you can control how you react to things. Totally. You know, and,
1: I mean, that's key. It's everything, and people. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry, Sean. I got to. I'm so sorry. Um, So people don't realize how much power and control they have in that conversation. You know, if you talk to people and like, oh, the pandemic, the pandemic, and I get it because the pandemic wired people's minds to be more stressed out. Of course it did. Think of how many stressful thoughts, like worrying about someone you love getting pandemic and even passing away or pandemic, getting COVID and even passing away, Uh you know, I mean, it was Mm -hmm. a very, 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 very stressful time, but we have the power, like you were saying, to mitigate that. We have the power to help our memory. We have the power to help our, our happiness every day and get out of suffering because we have a choice. Just like Marcus Aurelius says, Marcus Aurelius said that we have a choice. Suffering is a choice. Pain is not a choice. But suffering is a choice.
0: Gotcha, exactly right. So, just on a theoretical, just on theoretical, on a theoretical uh, basis here. If say you work with clients, right? You work with in a clinical setting. Is that yeah. correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, if I was a brand new client, and I like to do this with people who actually work with on one-on-one in with clinical, uh, yeah, with patients. If I was a brand new client, and I'm saying to you, Doctor White. <laughs> This stress is just killing me. I, I just can't function. I'm to the point now where I really need some help here, and all this stuff that I've gotten before is not doing anything. Um. So what would you what would you do? What well, what would be the process,
1: Sean? I honestly, and this is gonna sound like a plug, and it's not. I would okay. tell, I would tell them to read my book. Okay. I would what because what it does is it really puts them in the seat of empowerment. To do mm-hmm. something about it on that level that can actually fix things you know what i mean it's like right. i i tell them why i tell them exactly what's happening in the mind and i tell them exactly how to make it better in steps that are really easy and clear and i promise you i am not at all trying to plug my book right now i'm really really not but if someone, it sounds like it and I feel cheesy, but it, that's not what I'm trying to do here.
0: Oh, no, that's fine. Um,
1: yeah, but I, that is what I would tell them. I'd say, please just read this book and let me know what you think. Because if you don't change it at the level that it needs to be changed, again, we're just kind of putting band-aids on things. Mm-hmm. And that's what frustrated me in my practice previously, because you know, I do acupuncture for people, which does help stress, right? Mm -hmm. And we talk about nutrition, and I know herbs, and I know functional medicine, and all of those things can help with stress, for sure. But if their mind is wired to be super stressed out and negative, it's just going to keep going back to that situation. You know, we're never going to gain any real ground.
0: Okay, so the uh the calm code book is kind of like the it's the starting place for a lot of your patients. Yeah. Where yep, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, so I mean they...
1: it's just written. So I'm good. Right. I've just written it, okay. but yes. It helped okay. me so much that I I know it works and so I know that it will it does work for people it work for them and I would tell them please just start there and just please just try it and adhere to it for 6 weeks.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. So you just wrote this book, The Calm Code. Mm-hmm. So what's 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 next? What's on the what's on your radar for what you're going to do next?
1: It's a good question. I want to write the Calm Code for teens. Because, oh, nice. Oh yeah, and I wish I had this book so much when I was. And there are so many teens right now with high anxiety and high stress mm-hmm. that I really want to um, help them out. So that would be next on the on the list.
0: Yeah, that that would be a helpful book, too, because I can tell you, like the teens that are here now in terms of like talking about stress, because just like um, compared to when I was a teenager and that's you know going on a while ago now. But the stuff that is around now that they have to deal with, I did not have to deal with. I did not have to deal with Facebook.
1: Oh, my God. As a, te- could you as imagine? a teenager,
0: <laughs> I did not have to deal with Facebook as a teenager <laughs> me
1: either. me either i mean i yeah not at all any of it you know i can't imagine and i i think in the pandemic the social media really did help them
0: a bit Mm -hmm. because
1: it helped them stay connected right but but i also think it is very stressful for them and it's they get into this comparison mindset and all the yada yadas Mm -hmm. and the likings and the things and it is it's so stressful for these kids
0: it really it really is, and it adds a whole new d- dimension to, you know, having a stressful adolescent years, having stressful adolescent years. Because, you know, when I was a teenager, the, the term cyberbullying was around, um, but it was mainly confined to, like, chat rooms, right. you know, stuff like that. You know, you go into a chat room with a few other kids, you know, uh, and, you know, someone jumps in there and is – you know, poking fun to you for, I, I don't know. I, I never experienced cyberbullying. I guess I didn't go into any chat rooms for the most part, but, you know, it really took off, you know, in the years, a couple of years just after I left high school because, you know, I'm the same age as Mark Zuckerberg. So yeah. he, you know, and so he created something that I think was in theory and still is a good thing. But then it just took on a life on its own and it just kind of went down, I think, what what would be kind of an uh, ine- inevitable um, path because of how ubiquitous it became and how popular it was among very young people.
1: Yeah. And, you know, anything can be good and bad, can't it? You know, yeah. any good thing can take on a pathological element to it if it's overused or mm-hmm. used in a wrong way, you know, and I think that that these kids, they're so adorable, but they get so addicted and it is addictive in nature. And we're back to neuroplasticity. And I didn't mean to do that on purpose, but <laughs> it, it is addictive because it, they get that dopamine hit and that's back to your chemical question, right? Because mm-hmm. dopamine then wires the mind to want that reward more and more and more. Right. Yeah. And those likes or those rewards and, you know, there's a lot of different ways that that dopamine button is hit on the social media. So now the mm-hmm. kids are addicted, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a complicated situation.
0: And it is, and it is an addiction too, because I kind of got hooked on it too, a while back on it. And, you know, as an adult, I got hooked on it too. It was like, oh, how many friends do I have? How many likes do I have? How many shares do I have? You know, you, you take that to mean as your, your, your yardstick of, acceptability to others and outside validation and all that stuff. And as an adult, I kind of hooked on that. I can't imagine what it'd be for someone who's 15 years old.
1: No, because you can't, you can't make good decisions for yourself yet. Can you? No. So yeah, yeah. yeah,
0: like, like you said, it is what you make it, but, um, but that, that would be a, that would be a great idea. Um, the calm code for teens, um, i can think of any number of ways it would be helpful to so many so many out there and um especially now with you know coming out of the (laughs) the pandemic slowly but surely
1: right and there's been so much uh mental health issues Mm -hmm. not not just with um you know adults but major teen stuff too so
0: right exactly so speaking about COVID, just real briefly did you notice an uptick in your practice of severe mental health and severe stress because of the pandemic.
1: Yeah. And you know, Sean, there's even new research saying that not only did the COVID pandemic worsen depression and anxiety, Mm -hmm. but it caused a lot of depression, anxiety, and some studies are even saying schizophrenia, you know, and that's, yep. And it's worrisome to me, but it makes sense if you look at it from a neuroplastic standpoint, right? Because right. anxiety is just extreme stress, right? And if you're wiring mm-hmm. your mind with these stressful thoughts and more and more and more stress, more and more and more stress, that's anxious. And then yeah. if the negative thoughts, you know, are pervasive as well, well, you can become depressed, can't you? Right. Right. So that situation is just like a breeding ground for mental health challenges.
0: Right. I think the the lockdown that came from the pandemic played a big role in that too, because we forget that human beings are social creatures and isolation, you know, isolation is, it's weird. It went from being a very bad thing to two years ago. It was a very good thing because it was something that you wanted because it was going to protect you from this virus that was going all around the, the globe. And so isolation kind of had a bit of a facelift there was something that was considered desirable. But now I think we're kind of, we're kind of backtracking and saying that no, isolation is not a good thing (laughs) and it's caused a lot of problems. No, you're
1: exactly right. It hurt. I mean, it hurt a lot of people's mental health. You're right.
0: It it really did. Mm -hmm. On top of all the death and everything else and just bad news reports every single day.
1: 100%. And what does each of those bad news reports do? It wires your mind. Every thought we have wires our mind. And that's the message I love to get out to people because once they know that, then they know they have control, right? And I'm not saying it's anyone's fault for getting into a situation where they feel not their best selves. I -hmm. got there and I've been studying this for a decade. So I'm not telling people that it's their fault, but I'm telling them they have the power to change it. And I think that's so important. Empowerment for people is just so important.
0: Exactly. Right. Exactly. All right. Um, Annie, so as we're going to start to wind down here now you've already kind of, I think you've said this many times already, but I'm just going to kind of, I'm going to bring it up anyway. So I have, a kind of a tradition where I like to have my guests uh, leave a final thought. So of all the people who might be listening to this, if they forgot, if they did not remember anything you said, if there's one thing in the world you would like them to walk away with, what do you think it would be?
1: You have control over how you feel every single day.
0: There you go. There you go. Can't, can't say it any better than that.
1: <laughs> well, you're amazing. I love what you're doing with your podcast. Well, thank you.
0: I appreciate that.
1: It was wonderful to be here.
0: Well, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm always, uh, I'm very, very, uh, I feel very, speaking of gratitude, I feel very gracious to the people who come on, people who are experts in their fields and free thinkers and innovators who have new bits of information they can give out to all of us. Because I learn as much as anybody listening to this right now, just by talking to people. And that's just everything that I'm going for. So I thank you again for coming on.
1: Absolutely. I mean, we will continue our mission to help people be their best selves
0: exactly right of
1: course we're on the mission as well
0: aren't we yeah we actually are (laughs) (laughs) all right well folks that thank you and uh ladies and gentlemen everyone who might be listening this is the fitness reborn podcast again my name is sean from renaissance fitness personal training my guest today has been dr annie white and uh i will give information in the show notes about how you can contact um Annie in her through her website, you can get a whole of her book. It's called the Calm Code. Is it on Amazon, Annie?
1: Yeah, it's on Amazon.
0: It's on Amazon. Okay, I'll, I'll post a link where you can find it and just click right to it. And uh, honestly, I'm thinking about buying it myself here because I I love books. I like to read. If you see my you see my room here, I got tons of books stacked everywhere here. So again, knowledge is power. Knowledge so knowledge
1: is power, Sean.
0: No, knowledge is power. The more you know, and uh, of course, I'll put a. Um, information in the show notes about how you can get a hold of me through social media. You can get a call, uh, in contact with me. And don't forget, everybody, I am hosting or I am um, creating online uh, training programs. I have a new one that's in the works right now. I'm getting through it slowly but surely. But again, thank you again, Dr. Annie White. Great conversation. And uh, I wish you well.
1: Thank you. Back at you.
0: Thank you. All right. Take care, everybody. Hey thanks for listening. Don't forget you can become a supporter of the show by becoming a monthly subscriber. No commitments, cancel anytime, every little bit helps, and I'd sure love your support. Also, you can click any of the links to our social media platforms provided in the show notes, and you can email me at renfitnesswarriors at gmail.com. That's ren Ren FitnessWarriors at gmail.com. If you got a fitness story to tell, I'd love to hear it. you never know, you might just find yourself on the show. Until next time, train hard. Peace.